You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. The title of the sermon today is The Fantastic. We started talking about the Holy Spirit a lot more last fall when Ken walked us through the book of Acts and our history with the Holy Spirit is um, hard to explain. We've been a little allergic to the Holy Spirit. Um, We like to think of the Holy Spirit as a friend maybe we'll meet on the other side. Um, I like to think of it as, you know, a guarantor of my salvation, that Ephesians passage that's like, um, you know, having your insurance in the glove compartment of the car. My insurance is great. I'm ready. But when you go through the scriptures, you see that the Holy Spirit, a full part of the Godhead, is alive and active, is moving desires to be involved in our lives and in the world around us. The Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit doing? And before I get ramped up here, I might get ramped up today, I don't know. But Shirley's here, she'll give me an amen. She'll give me an amen. I lost it. We've got the best couple with us, David and Marley. Where's David and Marley? David and Marley here. Here's Marley. Here's David. Oh, there you are, right there. And a friend in the middle. I like it. A mom in the middle. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. So tonight is the 27th annual Pan-African Film and Arts Festival. Yeah. Yeah. And David is a movie maker. Is that right? Is that a thing? Movie maker. We might call it something else, though. Producer... It's not like it's not like Minecraft. It's something. <laughs> um, and he has made a movie that got entered into this festival. It's called The Gospel of Combat. And it's filmed in Kenya. And I'll just read the blurb here real fast. In the midst of Nairobi's turbulent 2017 election, a Kenyan Akito Sensei struggles to share the martial art that changed his life. So the film is documenting the story of this man in Kenya that learns Akito martial arts and sort of how he, how that shapes him. Something like that. So this is, I didn't want to butcher your thing. I'm good at that. I'm good at that. I'm good at that. So please come on out. It's at 9 o'clock tonight. Is that right? 9.30. And um, we can watch the movie together. That will be great. So congratulations to you. Congratulations to you. And you know, one of the things I love about our church, it is Black History Month. Sorry, African American History Month. I've got some people, when I say African American History Month, people say, bro, it's just black. And then last year I said Black History Month, and a couple people said, bro, bro it's African American. So I just want to cover it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Big hugs. Big hugs. Big hugs. 
Big hugs. Black American History Month? That's good. That's good. Right. It's turning into kind of a multiple choice. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. But in the kingdom, it's everybody history month, amen. In the kingdom, it's everybody history month. And we and we and we love that. So we want to be mindful of that and celebrate with us all. And we love that we do have a very um sort of one of the histories of our church is we've always been a really sensitive to that, and I think spirit-led in that, that um, it's always been a very multiracial, multi-ethnic congregation, amen? That's a gift. That's a gift. That's a gift. But stuff like this happens all the time. If you notice David, when he put his hand up, he is a really white guy. And he's in Kenya doing this movie about Aikido and martial arts, that's just the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and you just never know how the Holy Spirit is prompting you in your life. But that's a lot of, I think, the essence or the spirit of this sermon is, you never know, listen. You never know how the Holy Spirit is prompting you in your life. Too many of us, too much of the time, are on autopilot. And we're not paying attention. We're not listening. We're just kind of checked out. There's not a lot of spirit. We're just going from point A to point B, from English to math, from math to history, from 10 o'clock appointment to lunch, I survived, lunch, get home, I survived, something like this. There's very little spirit in that. And we've got to remember that we're supposed to be a spirit-filled people. So let's read Luke 11. Let's read Luke 11. Listen to what Jesus has to say about this. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this whole blurb. So just bear with me. Verse one. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now just say inside your little heart today that same thing. Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, teach me to pray. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Verse 5, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside says, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity. That sounds cool. Because of your shameless audacity. He will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Let's just pause. We've got all kinds of Bible translations out there. This is the new, new NIV. What else do you have for shameless audacity? Boldness? The nerve? Chutzpah? Mike Allen, right on. Good to see you, brother. Gosh, what a treat. Say again. Humility and confidence. Well said. Well said. Shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Verse 9. So I say to you, 
Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? That's great parenting right there. (laughs) Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to him who asks? Yeah, that's great. He wants us to ask for the Holy Spirit. When I read Luke 11 on prayer, I usually, you know, do that first section there and then I'm sort of done. Sometimes if I'm struggling and I'm like really wrestling with God, I read the second part because that's about persistence. That's about not giving up. That's about... Hey, I didn't get a yes today, but I'm going to pray again tomorrow. That third part, I don't know. I don't know. I don't use that one very often. But what a finisher. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. So after this big long thing on prayer, he says, his his exclamation point is, ask for the Holy Spirit. Okay, well, that's what we're going to do. I tried to do that this week. I've been thinking about this all week. It's funny. I've been with the teens, and I asked one of the teens, what do you think about the Holy Spirit? And I, I get a lot of eyeballs. And do you have any questions about the Holy Spirit? And they're like, yeah, I, hundreds. And you get a lot of things like, how do you really know that it's in you? That was a good one. How do you, how do you really know that it's in you? Uh, one of them asked me, once you have the Holy Spirit, can you lose it? That's a good question. Uh, somebody asked, um, can the Holy Spirit work in you? That's a good question. If you haven't been baptized? That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, someone else says, how do you get more of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, good question. Good question. So, I've been trying to do these days, just, I don't know, I'm asking for the Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. And I'll report this. I want to report. I don't think I had any miracles this week. There's a little part of me that thought, I'm going to do this prayer experiment, and I'm going to get a miracle. But I had an awesome week. I had an awesome week. And maybe a miracle happened, I didn't even know it. But I just felt, I'm here. But I felt a lot more tuned in. I felt a lot more... Um, contentment. I thought in all my activities, I just think I was doing better. I was less distracted. Many of us are so highly distracted. Uh, I was much less distracted. And I just felt, I don't know how you describe it, kind of plugged in. Kind of plugged in. God, what are you doing? Let me see. Show me. I'm not quite sure. What am I seeing? What do I need to be seeing? So this week, pray for the Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit. You might get a miracle. You never know. But I'm sure you're going to have a great week. Even if things go terrible. Because what this passage doesn't say is, if you get the Holy Spirit, you won't suffer anymore. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. So you still might suffer. So we got to understand, we can still suffer and be full of the Holy Spirit. That's important. That's good for us to know. Okay, what do we got? Alice Walker. The most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. Thank you. (laughs) 
Our young people, our, our young people are so great. But we do have a generation that is too passive. Too passive. Too distracted. And part of that's on us. Because as parents, I think what we communicate to our kids more than anything else is, whatever you do, don't miss church or school or get in trouble. That's like the worst thing. Don't miss school, don't miss church, don't get in trouble. That was a lot of kind of how my mom raised me. Like, I, you know what? I just don't want to get any calls today. No calls. That'd be great. Okay? Can we get a day with no calls? It's like, okay, well, I'll try. What's for dinner? But what we're doing is I think we're creating a group of young people that are too passive, too complacent, because what they've internalized is the spirit isn't that important. I was talking to a kingdom kid, I think on Thursday, and I think we should even stop using that term. Because when you say, I, I watch you guys sometimes, and you say, well, I'm a kingdom kid. And it always has that weirdness to it. It's like how we introduce ourselves. Oh, you know, hi, I'm a kingdom kid. That's not what you are. That's not what you are. You're God's child. And you're in the world. And you have the Holy Spirit in you. And again, in line with this message, I was like, what do you think about the Holy Spirit? And this young woman had been in the church, and she was 22, and she said, I, I really don't, I don't even know if I believe in it. And I've been to church thousands of times. I, I don't even know if I really believe in it. I know you're not supposed to miss church, and you're not supposed to get in trouble. But Holy Spirit, I don't know. Where's the Holy Spirit going to lead you? The Holy Spirit might lead you into trouble. That's, o- that's okay. That's okay. After I became a Christian, I was at UCSD, and, um, and I didn't grow up in the church, and I got asked to come to L.A. to transfer to UCLA to be a part of this mission team. And I hadn't gotten into school yet, which is a significant detail. But I was like, okay, I, yeah, let's go. And my dad was so mad at me. He was so mad at me. What are you doing? I mean, you've just been in trouble your whole life, and you got into UCSD, and you're moving to L.A. You're not even in school. You, what are you doing? And we just have this conversation over and over again. It's like, Dad, I, I don't really know how to explain it to you. You know? It doesn't, on paper, it doesn't look good. Like, what are you doing? And in the old days, we watched um, movie videos. Do you remember that? And I worked at one of the movie video stores to pay rent in Westwood while I was waiting to try and get into UCLA. And he's like, you should be studying biology in San Diego and doing some great research. Why are you renting movies to people in Westwood? You gave up your degree to rent movies to people in Westwood. And I go, yeah, but Dad, Michael Jackson came in yesterday. And that was kind of cool. <laughs> Whatever. 
Go to school. Get a job. I'm not paying for you if this thing fails. Don't think I'm paying for you if this thing fails. I, yeah, I know I'm not. I just feel led to do this. I just feel led to do this. And it was hard. That first six months, I was the only one that wasn't in school. And I'm like, God, I'm not looking good here. And, um, and the people up in Murphy Hall were like, just go back to San Diego. We don't know why you're here. This doesn't make any sense. There's a thousand schools. Go back to San Diego. And I go, no, I'm supposed to be here. And it's a long story. On Christmas Eve, uh, her name was Vita V. She was a deacon of, at, she was a dean of admissions. And she looks at my file, and I'd, I'd seen a hundred people in admissions. And she goes, I don't know. You look like you'd be a good, a good Bruin to me. You're in. Wow, really? And then you have that moment, you're like, that's Holy Spirit. I felt like I was sort of floating home. <laughs> Can't wait to call Dad. He'd be so happy. I got in. And then I met Tanya, mission team, church, you know, the whole nine, the whole nine yards. It's really something. You just never really know. But what's our power? What's our power? Luke 11 tells us that our power is in the Holy Spirit. You have some energy. You have some talents. It's really not that much. We're just people. We're just people. But the Holy Spirit's full of power. The Holy Spirit opens doors. The Holy Spirit will fill you up. The Holy Spirit will talk to you. The Holy Spirit will talk to the people you're talking to. You just never know. Pray for the Spirit. Let me watch something here real fast. Let me watch. Let us watch something here real fast. This excites me. You'll get the point really fast. There you go. Cool. The two most common birds in Southern California are the brown pelican and the seagull. And let's not get down on the seagull. It's pretty. It's a pigeon. It's kind of a lame bird. If you give him a little bread, he's never going to not go out. He's going to come back every day and try and get his bread. He's lazy. He's not a hunter. He's a scavenger. The seagull's just going to eat trash. He's a scavenger. That's why you see seagulls in trash cans all the time. Pelican's never going to eat dead food. Never going to do that. And pelican and seagulls, they're kind of lazy. They don't really like flying that much. Did you see the pelican? She loves flying. Look at all the sky. But where are they? They're right there next to the wave. They're right there next to the wave. Don't they look playful? Right there next to the wave. Pelicans also take advantage of strong winds and wave action by flight strategy called... Dun, 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 dynamic soaring. That's what pelicans do. That's awesome. Seagulls don't do that. Just sit there and poop and scavenge. Pelicans? Dynamic soaring. A lot of us, we're kind of lazy. And if there's, you know, a little thing I can gobble up, I'll get it and I can keep going on. 
But life is meant to be lived through dynamic soaring. I think the life experience should be something like dynamic soaring. You're going to suffer. Um, this isn't Pollyanna. There's hardship. There's a lot of hard things in life. But the overall experience should be something like dynamic soaring. But imagine the wave is sort of being the Holy Spirit, and the pelican is right there next to the Holy Spirit. And as soon as it gets a little updraft, whoosh, it just sort of launches it. And he comes back down, and he finds another wave, and he goes to the next one. Where's he going? He doesn't really know where he's going. He's just staying next to the wave. That's sort of her Holy Spirit. Where are you going? I don't know. Stay close to the wave, Holy Spirit. Let it, let it launch you. Let it cast you up in the air. And then come back down and stay right next close to it again. That's a different kind of living right there. Dynamic soaring. That's exciting to me. Okay, what else are we talking about? So that first part in Luke 11, hallowed be your name. That's great outline. A lot of great things happening right there. Friends at midnight. We like that too because... Too many of us, again, like seagulls, we pray like seagulls. We're a little lazy. God, I pray for a miracle. And the next day it doesn't happen. And then we sort of quit. Well, I guess we'll go to Subway. (laughs) (laughs) Time for some orange chicken. No, you come back and you're persistent, shameless audacity. Chutzpah! And you pray again and you pray again and you pray again and you pray again. Yeah, friend at midnight, you keep praying that reveals a lot about what's going on inside of us, and it shapes largely, I think, our relationship with God. And then at the end here, the Holy Spirit. We pray for the Holy Spirit. It's a big deal. And it's going to fill you up. You know, we all fill up on something. We all fill up on something. We all fill up on something. And when you're trying to work on your physical, on your body, you try and, you try and not eat Cheetos and french fries and substitute that for like celery and kale. I don't know, something. And at first, we hate that. You know what you do? You're grieving. You grieve. Because french fries and Cheetos are awesome. And you want more of them. They're salty and warm and exciting and colorful and Kale. Does anybody even like the flavor of kale? What is, yeah, okay, thank you. It's a, a teen. Excellent. I guess it's an acquired taste. It's kind of an acquired taste. But after three, four weeks, your body really starts noticing it, and you feel different, and you like it. And you like it. It's different. What about spiritually? We fill up on a lot of junk food. There's a lot of Cheetos and French fries that we put into ourselves to distract ourselves. They're called video games. They're called social media. Really hard. I've never spoken to anybody who was playing video games or involved in social media say, I had the most excellent Holy Spirit moment (laughs) playing Fortnite. Just the Holy Spirit entered me. Found this gigantic hand grenade launcher laser weapon. And I just lasered everybody to death for nine hours. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And as we flick through Instagram over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Cheetos. Just Cheetos. Cheetos, 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 Cheetos. No Holy Spirit. And let's not get weird. Those things aren't evil. They're not bad. The point is you need Holy Spirit moments. 
So you have to stop doing those things to go on out and engage in life and in the Holy Spirit, or we're going to miss it all. We're going to miss it all. Ephesians 5.15, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Do not get drunk on wine, right? Cheetos, French fries, same thing. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. How much Holy Spirit is in you right now? Can you get more of it? Who needs more Holy Spirit? Yes, 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 yes. That's a, who needs more video games? Who needs more Cheetos? Fill the Holy Spirit. Fill with the Holy Spirit. Martin Luther King Jr. Darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate can't drive out hate. Only love can do that. How do you do that? Well, anger and hatred, that's like a virus. When someone hits you, what do you want to do? You hit them back. When when someone talks bad about you, you talk bad about them. It's like a virus and just spreads around and around. you got to find Holy Spirit to turn darkness into light. Holy Spirit turns hate into love. And that's not like just for a minister person. That's for every single one of us. Amen? That's for every single one of us. And we all have some darkness in our families and in our home. And we all have some hate in our families and in our home. We need more light. We need more love. Holy Spirit. Uh, lastly, the fantastic. This is, um, I think this is really curious. I want to, I don't know. It would be nice if I wowed you a little bit. In 1988, a study by Randolph Byrd used 393 patients at the San Francisco General Hospital Coronary Care Unit, measuring 29 health outcomes using three-level Using three-level, good, intermediate, or bad scoring, the prayer group suffered fewer newly diagnosed ailments on only six of them. Bird concluded that based on these data, there seemed to be an effect, and that effect was presumed to be beneficial, and that intercessory prayer for the Judeo-Christian God had beneficial therapeutic effects in patients admitted to to the CCU. So what happened here is they took... 393 people, and they put them in two groups. We got a control group; nothing happens to them. And then we got this other group, and we're gonna we they um this went to these churches and asked people to pray for the people in the control in the um, the other group. And they they found a significant health benefit for the group that was being prayed for, and the people that were praying for the heart attack people. They didn't even know who they were. They didn't even know who they were. That's really something. So all the Christian people saw the study in 88, and they just were going bananas. It was great. Then everybody started attacking it. And they go, well, your controls are no good. Because, say, Richard there was one of the guys that we were praying for. How do I know that Richard's mother wasn't praying for him? How do we know that it's just this random group of Christian people that are praying for him? The control's no good. And if you're doing a good study, you've got to define, you need a great definition of your independent variable. Well, they couldn't define what the independent variable is. It's the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Well, we can't put that in the research paper, though. No, it's the Holy Spirit. He's the independent variable. 
So every time they do one of these, someone else sets it up. And there's been a lot of, there's been, to be transparency, there's been a lot of these studies that haven't worked. But there's been a lot of them that have. In 97, a study by Leor measured the effects on agents performing daily prayers and reported benefits not only for the beneficiaries, but also for the agents. And the benefits, the benefit levels correlated with the belief levels of the agents and the beneficiaries in some cases. The study measured anxiety and depression. This study used beneficiary names as well as photographs. So in the first study, I didn't know I was praying for Michael. I was just praying for Michael. I didn't know who he was. In this next study, they gave me a picture of him. So I still don't know him, but I have a picture of him, and I'm I'm praying for his health. And there was significant improvement in his health, and they're measuring the prayers. The people praying also had some health benefits. Lastly, 1988, and there's a hundred of these. Sisher uh, performed a small-scale, double-blind, randomized study of 40 patients with advanced AIDS. The patients in category C3 with CD4 cell counts below 200, and each had at least one case of AIDS-defining illness. The patients were randomly assigned to receive distant intercessory healing or none at all. The intercession took place by people in different parts of the United States who never had any contact with the patients. Both patients and physicians were blind to who received and did not receive intercession. Six months later, the prayer group had significantly fewer AIDS illnesses, less frequent doctor visits, and fewer days in the hospital. However, CD4 counts and scores on other physiological tests had no significant variation. So so the cell count didn't change, but their symptoms were really different, less, less symptomatic. Wow, that's, wow. Can, give me one. Wow. Great doctors? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. James 5.13 says, so Any of you sick? Pray. Any of you sick? Pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not, do not quench the Holy Spirit. So that's a challenge for us. I think we all, at times in our lives, quench the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, I think sometimes we're afraid of what the Holy Spirit's going to do. At the end of it, we're still human and we love comfort. And we know it. I think instinctually we all know the Holy Spirit might make me do things or send me to do things that are really uncomfortable. But that's soaring. If you really want to be a pelican and soar, that's what you do. If you want to be a seagull and just scavenge, then you don't. But I think you all know, yeah, we want more Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Open yourself up to more Holy Spirit. More doctors, more preachers, more this, more that, more... Ah, Holy Spirit! How much, we got roughly 300 people in here. Let's say we prayed an hour every day. I don't know. We got a couple thousand hours of prayer. I wonder what that did for us this week. What did a couple thousand hours of collective prayer do for us this week? I don't know. Probably some good. Probably some real good. 
But I think most of us believe in a multiplier effect. What if, what if we all prayed twice as much as we prayed last week? What if we, what if we had 3,000 prayers? What if we had 13,000 prayers? What would 13,000 prayers look like? What if we had 30,000 prayers? What would 30,000 prayers look like? And this is my last little thought, and I'll close here. You have to surrender outcome. Don't get too fixated on outcome. What does that mean? Well, I want this good thing to happen. We know in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul prayed for God to remove the thorn from his flesh, and God said no, because my grace is sufficient. So God's going to say no when he says no. He's going to say yes when he says yes. That's okay. You have to surrender outcome. But being in prayer, that shapes you. Being in prayer, that shapes a different world. Being in prayer changes a seagull into a pelican. Being in prayer builds you up. Being in prayer makes you tougher, more resistant. Being in prayer makes you more connected. Thinking about the other person, thinking about God, whatever it might be. Being in prayer is transformative. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Friend at midnight, don't quit praying, keep praying. Fathers, people, blah, 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 eggs and fish, pray for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, church. God bless you. God bless us. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.